Hey everyone, and welcome to a, another episode of The Road to High Five. A chance for me to speak to members of the High Five team, find out how they ended up here, and maybe a little bit about them as well. Uh, to start, I'll have my guest introduce themselves. So, over to you. Hi everybody, my name's Chris Damboys, and I am the Director of Training and Team Development here at High Five. When you look back at your start of entering into adventure education, where did it begin for you? What was that part that you felt like, this is the start for adventure education for me? I think the best sort of starting point would have been when I was in college. Um, I was part of the outdoor club there, and also there was a student-led uh, outing program component, and I taught rock climbing with them. And it became pretty clear to me, and I think others around me at the time, that I was a pretty good educator teacher. Hmm. And so it started out in teaching my passion, which was climbing at the time. Um, and I think that always sort of bodes well if, you, if it's something you really enjoy yeah. yourself and you're good at, at, at sort of uh, eliciting that same response in others around the activity, then I think you sort of... I got lucky early on to find my passion around that piece. So I think that would be the start of it. Um, the, the, the piece that sort of really elevated that, though, was when I was hired as an adventure director at a Y camp for the summer in my mm -hmm. junior year of college. Um, that was sort of the first time outside of my education where somebody willingly saw my capabilities mm -hmm. and said, hey, we, we need you to, to do that. So um, I thought I was going to teach some cl climbing for the summer, but I realized that they had a challenge course on site at the time. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about that. So they sent me off to a training for which I was ill-prepared <laughs> to be a participant in. Yeah. Looking back now and coaching many of uh, High Five Zone clients around their training plans, it's pretty hilarious now. So your start was summer camp. Was I was hired as an adventure director, even though I'd wow. never been to a camp. I'd never, you know, never been as a camp as a camper. Yeah, I had never worked at a camp prior, but because I had a strong climbing background, somebody who happened to be um, a sort of third party to who I was, mm -hmm. new friends of mine who I'd climbed with, reached out to me and said, "You ought to apply for this position." It was oh, like wow. a backpacking, tripping kind of thing during the summer, plus the climbing component and the challenge course component. Oh. So I had a real rapid uh, education into, you know, the sort of whole sort of view of what adventure education might look like in a summer camp setting. I never went back after the first <laughs> summer. <laughs> I was gonna say. So was it, uh, was it a moment where you, where you look back and say you truly got Adventure Aid or you were just doing it as part of the summer camp program? Was it more pay for play? Would you f regard it in that way? Or? I think it was intentional, but it wasn't intentional because I was educated around what that potential was. Mm. Um, I knew that there should be bigger outcomes than just because of my training in college. Mm -hmm. But it, but I was new. I was young. I was like 19, yeah. May, uh, I guess my junior year, I was 20 years old. Yeah. You know, I, I barely knew what I needed to know about my life, let alone trying to help others, even if they were, you know, between the ages of 10 and 16. Um, but, it, you know, it was a little more intentional than just pure recreational. Mm -hmm. um, the, 
the Y director at the time, um, later went on to get his MSW and, um, and work in very intentional ways uh, around people's growth. So I think that sort of nuanced perspective was always there, although my ability to grasp that yeah. was relatively poor. I think back to that now and I think, oh my God, how much better are a lot of challenge course managers that we work with at High Five around and, and how we coach clients um, to be more intentional with that. I, I could have I could have used a dose of high fives methodologies back then. Yeah, I think back in, in minds when I was at camp, there were you know I felt that I was well equipped at the time. You know, looking back, I thought, oh, I, I know stuff. I did a training, but it wasn't even a vendor. You know, it wasn't even a professional training outside mm-hmm. of the. It was in house, and I didn't know any different. And it's funny now looking back and realizing, wow, I think I did okay work, but how much better it could have been had I known more, which is, I guess, yeah. hindsight anyway. Mine was a vendor training. It, it, oh, was, it was with Project yeah. Adventure, but it was a beyond, um, well, what do they call it? Advanced skills and standards. So it yep. was very technical focused, oh. which allowed me to get through it because I had a very technical rope access background. But in terms of like the, uh, the application of those tools and how pe- it could promote growth or understanding in people, um, that wasn't a part of the segment of that training component. It wasn't their fault. Yeah. So, it just yeah. I hadn't taken a basic training, but I could get away because I could belay well. I was comfortable at height. I knew how to, you know, do rescues. All that st- sort of stuff came easy and natural to me, but um, it, it took more time to figure out the sort of front end educational, what are the outcome based pieces that I want coming out of this. <laughs> So you truly relate to those people come into a BB here who are just rock climbers. That's funny because we yeah. have those occasionally come through and their awareness of a challenge course is zero. Yep. But they, their technical skills could allow them to be able to stay in the program. So. Yep. And that's the biggest thing is trying to relate to those people and get them to understand those bigger pieces. And more importantly, the people who hired them, so their program directors or camp directors who are simply hiring a climber because mm-hmm. of their safety skills is only one component of a good, what I'd call adventure program and thinking a little more broadly around that. In fact, those people, you know, as much as we'd like to say they should come to a BB of beyond basics, in some ways they almost need to start with the adventure basics to sort of see the breadth of what they don't mm-hmm. know yet. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to make that happen. So, yeah. So there was there was obviously a path from going from that summer program, mm-hmm. realizing adventure, going to do a project adventure training that then continued to allow you to want to stay in the field. What was the next steps after the summer? Because you only did that one summer there. Was Did you continue in the field or did you divert to something different? So um, after that summer camp experience, I because I was uh, in school, I got a degree in recreation and park management. I was actually training to be a park ranger. And so I took a job the next summer in a national park working in a, you know, information booth. And I didn't really like the bureaucracy of the National Park Service and the federal system. So I quickly, after finishing that, I took a job with Outward Bound, in particular the Hurricane Island Outward Bound School. And again, I was hired because of my climbing background. And so mm-hmm. I became on staff as a uh, assistant rock climber out on Hurricane Island, where I then saw the the real application of intentionality. Mm-hmm. Climbing was simply a tool. Yeah. Boating was simply a tool. Solo was simply a tool. All those pieces were simply a tool to get groups of people 
finding more about themselves. So that's where I really got in tune with the intentionality and the growth opportunities. And, and I really, first, for the first time, really felt like I was a professional. I knew what I was doing. Yep. Where did you end up next? Where did you go next after Outward Bound? I got a call from a friend who I had known in college. He's a few years older than me and a good climbing buddy. And um, he called me up and said, hey, do you want to go to Ecuador and help me lead a mountaineering trip there? And, I, and while there, we hatched the concept of opening up a rock climbing guide service in Bar Harbor, Maine called Acadia Mountain Guides, mm-hmm. uh, which we did. is still successful to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, after a few years of that, um, made other decisions about career choices and sold out of that business. But I got a part-time job at PA. Yeah. And I didn't leave that part-time job, which quickly <laughs> transferred into a full-time job for 18, 18 years. 18 years, yeah. Um, and then about eight years after that, I decided I really needed a big change. Hmm. And so um, for a variety of reasons, both location, my wife getting new career opportunities, um, and the opportunity to work with people that I had worked with previously. So when I first worked for Project Adventure, Todd Brown was my supervisor, who's now the director of our Challenge Course Services Department at High Five. Mm -hmm. And so I'd always enjoyed working with with Todd. I knew of Jim Grout because of my work in the training realm and Jim used to work for for PA for a you know good chunk of his career also. And likewise my good buddy Ryan McCormick, who had just left, you know, a few years prior to me from from Project Adventure, I was excited to follow up and and had good connections always with folks at High Five. Mm-hmm. I always loved what they do. So when the opportunity arose I jumped on the opportunity to apply, and I was lucky to be selected to do the work I do now. All right, so we've done the serious section. Now comes to the non-serious section, (laughs) where I'm going to ask you a series of questions, quick fire, and uh, some of them make sense, and some of them are completely nonsensical. Okay. So the first one is, name a movie you enjoyed as a child. Rollerball. Rollerball. What was the reason for that? You know, it was the first time I think that I'd really seen a futuristic sort of like yeah, super futuristic thing that I could picture actually happening. And if you watch Rollerball right yep. now and the rise of the corporate, for lack of a word, government state, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, pretty soon we could have instead of you know U.S. and Canada, we could have Amazon Prime and in <laughs> yeah. Home Depot as our <laughs> nationality. So yeah, wow. um, I think it was. Yeah, amazingly sort of forward-thinking kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure that that's why I initially watched it. I think I was, you know, whatever, a 12-year-old boy who saw some action yep. and suspense kind of stuff, but yep. rollerball. I'm still waiting for that moment, and my, one of my favorites was Tron. So I'm still right. waiting for my moment where I might get sucked into a video game. <laughs> that's, I think that's coming, too. Like, everything's coming around. Um, name a song you have sung at least twice out loud in a car. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road by Elton John. You're an Elton John fan, is it, or just that one song is? No, I, I. It's shocking. I make up words to most songs because <laughs> I don't really pay attention to them. Yeah. But my cousin Sue, mm-hmm. yeah, I used to hang out with my other. I should back up. My other cousin Tony. I used to. He's similar in age to me. I used to hang out in his room listening to music, and he would often borrow mm-hmm. <laughs> Susan's. 
um, albums and we'd listen to them and she was, you know, she was older. So she was on the cutting edge of like what the cool music was at the time. But I remember, um, she, you know, had the yellow brick road album and, uh, I would listen to that over and over and I was over at Tony's and for some reason I, maybe there was liner music like she, and I could actually see what the real words are and sing it at the same time. So it actually embedded in my head. Yep. Because the rest of the music I've listened to since then, oh, yeah. I make up the words. I don't even know what they are. My wife will laugh at me when I sing in the car. Uh, this is a question I'm, I bring up at an Adventure Basics often. It's very serious. I know you've heard it before. <laughs> yeah. So, would you rather fight a hundred horses the size of a duck or one duck the size of a horse? So, I have thought about this more than once because I've heard this question be asked yeah. in a variety of settings yep. to different people. And, you know, I, I'm not that comfortable around horses. So even though they're just the size of a duck, mm-hmm. I have had issues with ducks before. Like if you're biking and there's ducks on the side of the pond, <laughs> mother, duck, no, mother duck comes out at you. They're pretty ferocious. So, for their, so their size doesn't matter. Yes. So if I'm already not too keen on horses and then I got a hundred of those little things running around, I'm not convinced that that's a good scenario for me. No. So even though ducks can be vicious, one big one, they got pretty hollow bones. They've got feathers. Like, like they're not built for, for abuse, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. So I'm thinking one good shot somehow. Yeah. Avoid the bill. Right. And, and, and just take a tail feather and rip it out or something. I don't know. Ooh, yeah, disorient it. Yeah, I don't move. know. Because I kind of believe Vicious. that that's not very comfortable for you know, for a being to lose a feather. No, no. Yeah, so there you go. Pull and the, and feather the other from thing is, too, I, I'm thinking that you could light a duck on fire. Because it's got oils in the feathers and the feathers burn. So I'm thinking you, it'd be easier to burn a duck. Okay. Than a horse, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Unless so it's a long-haired <laughs> horse. It took a dark turn suddenly, and then we're burning the duck. But you're right. That would potentially be the way, the, it, the path it, to neither, victory. Neither of them are good choices. No, you're right. Uh, another would you rather. Another would you rather. rather. <laughs> would you rather age one year every time that you sneeze or repeat grades kindergarten through 12 as an adult? So... Repeating, so I need a little clarification. The rep, the repetition, it would be identical. You would be repeating the grades, but I would say you're right now as an adult. You're yep. going into school as the schools currently exist. It wouldn't be you going back to your school uh, okay. and repeating your grades as you okay. experience them. But I have to. So as a as a 54 year old, I'd have to sit in that tiny little desk correct. in kindergarten with kindergarten and try not to eat the glue like they all would be eating. Exactly, and then still pass and not get pulled back. <laughs> get held back from class. You know, as crazy as this sounds. There were so many opportunities I didn't take advantage of when I was in grade school that I think I'd go back and try to learn, like, how to play the... What was that thing that they used to teach? The recorder? recorder? Yeah, because I'm not musically inclined in any way, and I I was thinking I was scared of it, and so, therefore, I didn't do anything with it. And, And I've always, you know, you didn't ask me this about, you know, if... If I had any career I could choose, I, mm. I would be a drummer in a big rock band. <laughs> um, yep. And so maybe that opportunity by taking recorder lessons and then maybe getting into the band and then, you know, playing the drums in high school, I could have become, you know, a big headliner. 
Yeah, I think back, selling out stadiums. I think back, and I'd I'd like to have learned languages best. Like I I didn't do that yeah. for that same reason. But it's interesting how like people will take this answer, this question, and think like I initially always go negative on school. Like I'm like, no way, it was awful. But then you're, yeah, I agree. Going yeah. back and doing things that you learn, things you didn't, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, because I'd be less afraid. I know what the end game is now. Mm. Before I didn't know like, oh, the people you hang out with really have an impact on how you become yeah. and what you learn and do. Yeah, I'd make all kinds of different choices. And maybe I wouldn't be that complete dork in middle school and I could get a girlfriend earlier. You know what I mean? I think it'd be a little creepy as a 54-year-old <laughs> trying to get a girlfriend in school. <laughs> That's true. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> all of this I'm cutting. Okay. All right. You asked the question. I know. Um, so you mentioned... You mentioned in the answer like about a career for you, and you would be a drummer. End question. What is a job you would like me to have? Right now? <laughs> yeah, right. Not like, oh yeah, I realize as my boss, you're not firing me now. No. But what is a job you would like me to have? <laughs> huh. Or a job I think you'd be good at? Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's another you know what? To... You know what? I actually think, and, and you could still do this, this could be a side hustle for you. Mm-hmm. I think that you should be both, so, an entertainer slash magician. Yeah. yeah. No? Because you, ha- you have good comedic effect. You love to make people laugh. You, you, at some level, your engagement as a trainer has to do with your... This is going to sound crass, your entertainment value, but mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It, that, that there is a component to that. And you love magic, and you're good at it, everything that I've ever seen. So I think it would be fun to see you on, like, America's Got Talent as the next big shin limb. Yeah, no way, but yeah, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, if I had the... Uh, all I'm missing is extreme confidence. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, thank you, Chris. I've uh, enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening. And can you say, thanks for listening to High Five? Thanks for listening to High Five. And then what about, thanks for listening to High Five's podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for getting off the pasta, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We certainly appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you have any thoughts, comments, feedback, or ideas about the content, please email us at the creatively named email address, podcast at highfiveadventure.org. That's podcast at high, H-I-G-H, five, the number five, adventure.org. Thank you so much. Thank you.